Let's pray. Speak, Lord, through your word. As we hear what you have for us today, may God's image in us be restored and our imagination in God be restored. Amen. Amongst the many things we've learned over the last 10 months or so has been the limitation of laws or rules. With each set of guidance issued to help cope with COVID-19 has come all kinds of mental and legal gymnastics as people try to work out precisely what it all means. Perhaps it was at its most extreme when pubs were allowed to open and to serve alcohol, but only with a substantial meal. And this led to government ministers appearing on television answering questions about what constitutes a substantial meal. A pasty on its own? Perhaps not. But with chips or a salad? Oh, that's a different matter. And how about that scotch egg? I'm not knocking the government on this. Yeah, if advice is too detailed and complex, they're accused of lacking clarity. So they try to keep it simple. But that leaves it open to people saying, oh, but what about this? Or what about that? And everybody has a reason why their particular activity should be exempt. And soon the minutiae of the guidance or the laws becomes the story, rather than their purpose or what they're trying to achieve. When we read the accounts of the life of Jesus as told by Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, this idea of laws and what they meant play quite a prominent role. So much of Jewish life was governed by the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, often called the law. It was a huge part of Jewish national identity. They believed that this Torah had been given to them by God and it was a marker that Israel was God's people and he was their God. But although Jesus explicitly claimed not to have come to abolish that law, but to fulfill it, much of the time Jesus seems to be accused of um, sitting too loosely with it. He seems to spend a lot of time in debate and conflict with groups like scribes and Pharisees. Now we can be really hard on them. We can kind of view them as something of like a pantomime villain, the body who pops up on the stage every now and then. But in reality, these were groups who simply took what they believed God had told them seriously. And they knew that no law could cover every eventuality, that times and circumstances changed, it needed to be applied to evolving settings. And that was what they did. Amongst the key markers of that Jewish national identity was the Sabbath. It led the heart of what it meant to be an observant Jew and it was guarded with national pride. And we can't argue that it was simply some kind of ritualistic or ceremonial matter. It was one of the biggies. It was one of the Ten Commandments. 
Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days shall you labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall do on it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son and daughter, nor your male or female servant, or your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. It was clearly important. There's no sense that when God was giving the commandments that this one was viewed as any less important than, say, murder, theft, lying or adultery. And the only exemptions to Sabbath laws were in circumstances where life was threatened or when someone was in dire personal need. But just as the PM makes a statement in the Commons or in primetime BBC One, and then whole rainforests are expanded and interpreting precisely what that means, so it was with this law. Sabbath is given to them as a broad, sweeping principle, but with very little clarity about what it means to keep it holy or do no work. So it was a topic of intense debate. By this time, there were 39 different types of illegal activity, things you couldn't do on the Sabbath, broken down into six subcategories. And amongst them were four related to harvesting, reaping, winnowing, threshing, grinding. As Mark tells a story, I suppose officially the disciples were guilty of the first of those. Luke adds the detail of them grinding the corn in their hands. It's interesting how Jesus responds to this. He doesn't, as I suspect I would have been tempted to do, say, Oh, come on, seriously? Get a grip. I mean, quite possibly there is a hint of finding fault for the sake of it. And there might even be a bit of snobbishness to this. Oh, if that Jesus was any kind of rabbi, or at least if he called any kind of decently qualified disciples, they'd know their Torah, and know that's not all. But Jesus doesn't make any attempt to claim that what the disciples were doing was not somehow within the rules. Instead, Jesus takes them to a story which we find in 1 Samuel. Of a time when David and his men, this is before David becomes king, are on the run. They come to a tabernacle and they're hungry. They ask for food, but the only food available was the bread of presence. This was the bread that was placed on an altar and offered to God. It was changed once a week and then given to the priests. And according to the law, only priests were allowed to eat this bread. But because David and his men were in need, it was given to them and they took it. And nowhere in their scriptures was this ever seen as a wrong or a bad thing to do. Dire personal need 
was more important than what was strictly within the law. How good or bad an analogy this was is up for debate. The circumstances were very different. There's not even really any mention that the disciples were in desperate need or hungry or had been going without food prior to this incident. But it was an appeal to the general idea that human need was more important than the letter of a particular law. But it's the other part of what Jesus says that I want to focus on this morning. He adds, the Sabbath was made for people, not people for the Sabbath. Jesus knows we get bogged down in the detail and lose the true meaning. He went back to the purpose of what Sabbath was all about. It was given to make life richer, fuller better it was to give us a faith that frees us not to enslave us i choose that word carefully because at the heart of what sabbath was about was freedom from slavery the commandments were given to a people who had just been rescued from slavery part of what they had to do now was develop a new community with a new identity up until now, they'd been seen as having little more value than a tool or a machine. Their value was purely based on the number of bricks they could produce. And then they were rescued. And now they had a value based purely on the fact that they were loved, precious, rescued. No other reason than just because and Sabbath was part of that Sabbath was about having space for renewal Sabbath was about slowing down having the space to pause to rest to, to recognize that our value is not in what we have what we do what others think of us We are creatures of rhythm. We have a built-in circadian rhythm, which works with the 24-hour pattern of the world. We're active, we sleep, we work, we rest. We probably tend to focus more on the active, busy parts of that rhythm, but it's the sleep and rest parts that are vital. Not getting enough sleep is linked to a pure immune system, higher risk of cancer and Alzheimer's, cardiovascular disease, stroke, depression, anxiety, obesity, diabetes, you name it. But we're also built for a wider rhythm of work and rest. Societies which have sought to do away with a day of rest, whatever that looks like, have found themselves worse off, even in absolute terms of what they produce. Over time, they produce more in the six days with rest than the seven without. And over the last year, periods of lockdown have revealed to us our need for rhythm. I recognise not everyone had this privilege, not even sure I did, but that first lockdown, Way back last March, it had quite a different feel. True, there was something of the novelty, the time of year, the good weather and so on. 
And I sensed the mood was rather better. There was a sense that we could slow down, that we noticed more. Do you remember all those WhatsApps about the birds and the gardens and so on? And for many, it was like we suddenly had this permission to slow down, even if just a little, and take stock. But in time, it can be too much. We need the other part of the rhythm. We don't want days to just crash into one another with very little to tell one day apart from another. And it's no wonder so many have had a longing to break that cycle. We can become lethargic. We start to lack meaning and purpose. We feel the need to sense some kind of point to all this. And I sense that's kind of where people have been at more in this lockdown, say, than in March. Have you ever noticed how when you get really busy and you're working hard all the time and then you just kind of step away from it and suddenly some of those things that you meant to get round to but somehow slipped your mind because you were so busy, they start to bubble back to the surface. It's like that moment of pausing, of slowing down. It allows a bit more clarity. You start to see the wood rather than just the trees. That's one of the things Sabbath is here to help us to do. To remind us that we're not just here to produce. It might even give us a moment to step back, pause, to appreciate what we do have rather than what still needs to be achieved. Whilst recognising that, strictly speaking, Sabbath is not Sunday, it's fair to say that Sabbath has changed a lot in my lifetime in terms of Sunday trading, key days for sports and so on. In Northern Ireland, we had some councils that used to go around on a Sunday evening and chain up swings in play parks and so on so that children would not violate the Sabbath by playing on them. And in many ways, that represented the kind of mindset exemplified in the scribes and the Pharisees. It was probably well-intentioned, but it's probably also a good thing that it was challenged. And, but things are very different now. I say this as one who would do many things on a Sunday that I would not have done in my younger days. And I'm not saying it to make you feel guilty if you're off to Asda or Sainsbury's later. But although the challenge to that old way might be good, it doesn't mean that the changes have somehow or other recovered what Jesus was talking about. Are they really liberating us? Jesus isn't affirming a situation in which we lack a shared culture of rest and relaxation where there's little or no protected time for families or, or space to take stock within our schedules. In many ways, the changes that have been introduced in our society have been less about recovering rhythm and rest and recreation, and they're pretty much all geared towards getting more done. 
In some ways, they're just designed to give us more time on the, on the treadmill rather than freeing us from it. The truth is, Sabbath is something we need, which we long for. When we get even a moment of it, we realise just how much we need it and long for it. But on the whole, we're not very good at it. We need rhythm, but we fight it. Human beings are the only species that will deliberately deprive themselves of sleep without having some legitimate gain. And we also just can't seem to bear the thought that there might be a day or a time when we just stop. What's the point in that? What a waste! But we need to take it seriously. Certainly for our emotional, our physical and our mental health. But also for our relationship with God. If I was a lying, killing, stealing adulterer, you might quite likely question my suitability to be your minister. And as your minister, you might expect me to challenge you on those things. But like somewhere along the way, it's like we've taken another commandment and we've downgraded Sabbath to a suggestion. Don't kill, steal, lie, whatever. Oh, and whilst you're at it, it might be nice if you tried this. It's like Sabbath is the respectable command to break. So what do we do with that? How do we truly observe a kind of Sabbath Jesus is speaking of? How do we live in such a way that Sabbath becomes something that benefits us rather than us living for it? Well, let me say it isn't really about rules and regulations. This isn't about whether you should or shouldn't mow your lawn or go to the match COVID permitting on a Sunday. That's getting bogged down in detail rather than recovering the purpose. It may not even necessarily be about the choice of day. For many to fulfil the purpose to which God has called them, Sunday might simply not be possible. In some ways it's harder, I think, because it requires intention rather than simply mechanically observing rules. It's about what refreshes, recreates you, what restores you, what, what gives you life. What liberates you from the lie that you are what you do or what you achieve? What reminds you that you are more than just a cog in the machine or a tool to get the job done? If you discover that, you're moving more towards a, what's a Sabbath that was made for you rather than the other way around. And worship will be part of that. In worship we're reminded who we are and who we're not. We're reminded that there is a God and that we're not it. The world does not depend on us. We can stop and the world will continue. But we're also reminded that our worth, it doesn't hinge on who we are and what we produce. But that we are fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of a creator. That we are loved just because.
when worship is at the heart of our Sabbath. We are just not just giving ourselves space to be restored, but also to be restored. We're allowing space to allow ourselves to be told and to hear a different story, one that can shape how we approach the other six. See, God isn't seeking to enslave you. God longs to free you. Jesus came that we might have a faith that frees us. And Sabbath is part of that. It wasn't given to spoil our fun, to make life miserable or difficult. It was a gift, not a burden. It was to give us space to stop, to pause, to breathe, to hear a new story, to be reminded with new clarity in the hubbub of life who we are. And in doing so, to be recharged, refreshed, restored, and restoried. And if we find that, then we will discover something of the rhythm in which we are created to live. And in that, we will be healthier, physically, Emotionally, mentally, but also spiritually. Because we'll have allowed Sabbath to find its purpose. And we'll discover that Sabbath was a gift to us. And that we weren't made for Sabbath. But that Sabbath was made for us. Grace and peace to you.